0: Right, right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. I'm really looking forward to this interview with John Wydell, the city manager for Whitewater, Wisconsin. You might recall that he was on Episode 7 when we did an interview with him and Micah Gaudet about ChatGPT. John's just hilarious. Uh, I was dying and laughing out loud the entire time. I think I probably annoyed some of the listeners because I just loved his sense of humor and his style. And I've been dying to have him back on the show and trying to find a reason to get him on the show uh, again. And I think I got a a good reason this time. And so, John, welcome to the show and uh, introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Hi, everybody. John Weidel, City Manager for Whitewater, Wisconsin. And uh I'm sure the reason Joe has having me back is because subsequently I, I did deliver that ceremony for my friend's wedding that was written by ChatGPT and it went off without a hitch. They loved it. Uh, life is good, and since then I I do have a newborn daughter. My wife and I gave birth to well, she gave birth. I was there to Charlotte Aurelia Wydell. So it's all been a blur. But needless to say, it's it's great to be back, and you're doing good work, Joe. And and uh, I, I'm glad that what we're about to talk about. Uh, resonated with you and I think will resonate with the audience
0: hey but real quick is that a Guns N' Roses blanket behind you yes
1: it is from their Appetite for Destruction album I've I've had that blanket for a very long time there is an LP if I could get up from where I'm at with all the mics and stuff I can't but I have a pressed LP of that uh, album as well
0: Are you a November rain fan or are you a hater? I love it.
1: So without doing a deep dive into guns N' roses, which I could absolutely do, I am a use your illusion. One would be my, if I could choose probably one album, it would be that one. So I, November rain's a great one. There's, there's several others on the uh, tracks. Uh, Ironically, one of my favorite, favorite guns N' roses songs is estranged, which is on their second use your illusion album. And it's like nine minutes long.
0: Yeah. Very, very uh, radio friendly, right. With those uh, eight, nine minute ballads. So, uh, Awesome and congratulations on the birth of your child. That's a pretty amazing experience. Uh, you are just beginning. I'm at the end of that journey. I'm an empty nester now, and uh, but man, I really just I really enjoyed our interview, John. I just thought you're hilarious. You're a good guy. We've chatted obviously uh, quite a bit since then, and uh, what what really brought us together today for this interview is that you recently applied for a new position and you were a finalist. And you subsequently withdrew from consideration from that. And, uh, and I've seen this happen from time to time before in the public sector where city managers, they will apply for a position and then they will withdraw after being declared a finalist once they get some sort of feedback either from their governing body or their community or both. And so I thought that was a pretty interesting dynamic. And uh, since I've been looking for a reason to get you back on, I figured this would be a great topic to discuss.
1: Yeah, good. Happy to do so. Yeah, the uh, the position was in Salem Lakes, Lakes, Wisconsin. It has subsequently been filled and congratulations to that person. Uh, but it was an interesting experience for me. And I, I think the thinking about changing jobs and entering the job market is something invariably that every city manager or village administrator will do and uh there's a lot of reasons for doing so so i think just being honest about it and talking through challenges and struggles is is important
0: well you know and and i i think it's very important for city managers when they're in a position to apply at some point to kind of get a sense of where they do stand in the marketplace we're going to talk about that uh the market as you know and since you uh were looking and you've been following my content and i think anyone who's been following my content knows the market's changed quite a bit in the last couple of years, and so if you've been in a position you're looking to jump to another opportunity, it's definitely important to get a good sense of where you stand, how competitive you are. Uh, but before we get into all that, John, uh, why don't you give us a brief overview of, of Whitewater? Uh, tell us about the community and the council dynamic. Um, yeah, we'll just go from there.
1: Sure. Yeah, Whitewater is uh, it's a fantastic community in uh, southeastern Wisconsin. It's about... Uh, Forty-five minutes from Madison, about forty-five minutes from Milwaukee. It's a council-manager form of government, uh, which means that the manager is both the CEO and the CAO. The council has a council president that it elects uh, from amongst its own body every year, and that person's role is to run meetings and makes council and commi- or, I'm sorry, committee and board appointments. Uh, in conjunction with the manager. So it's a really great job. It's a community that is poised for growth. Um, It's a very dynamic community. It has the university there, so that has about uh, 1,800 employees. And uh, I would describe it as very purple. It is very much the definition of Wisconsin. There is a healthy mix of Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, independents. That's one of the things I love about it. The community is not afraid to mix it up. so.
0: Well, I'm I'm sure that makes it pretty challenging at times as well, though, John. And I do recall from our previous interview that you also had a large uh, large influx of the uh, immigrant community and that we were talking about using chat GPT for translation services with your police chief and so forth and so on, which also adds another layer of complexity to your situation.
1: Yeah, and we're still doing that. And it still works very well about 30% of our student population is uh, MLL multi-language learner, and about 19% of the student population is special needs, both which are uh, well above state average. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics at play that make it uh, challenging, but also quite honestly make the job uh, extremely uh, worthwhile and brings a lot of job satisfaction.
0: So, you know, when we first met on the last podcast, we talked about how I'm a no-nonsense guy, is a no-nonsense guy, and you're a no-nonsense guy. And, uh, you know, you've been facing some pretty interesting situations with your current counsel and the dynamic there. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, can we talk about what you've done over the last year plus, because you've only been in this role with Whitewater now, I think for probably about a year and four or five months or something like that. And you've been, you've been crushing it and I don't want you to be modest. So I want you to kind of lay out <laughs> now, seriously, this is not the time to be modest, right? I want you to uh, elaborate for the audience, like what's been going on there. You, you stood up a new combined EMS, uh, fire fire department, I believe some other stuff. I mean, you've been, you've been killing it. So tell, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of a lot of great things. And as I, I was actually driving to the grocery store this morning, and I was thinking about how I'm going to present this. And uh, I immediately, my first thought was, wow, I've been an administrator or a manager for 12 years now. And I just had my 41st birthday. So at some point, I, I literally thought to myself, I guess you pretty much have to start Referring to yourself as an expert on some things, which is it can be tough to do. You know, we right. The the rule of thumb is you lay you lay the credit off onto absolutely everybody else, and you are a bullet sponge for pain and suffering and all the things that didn't go right.
0: That's right. That's the anyway. That's That's in the job description, right? It's written. It is. Yeah.
1: It's 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 called uh, other other duties as assigned. (laughs) Anyway, in in Whitewater, what we've done is, yeah, we do have we we went from a volunteer fire and EMS service to a full-time service supported with, I believe we have, we're adding our 17th full-time personnel coming into this next year. It's a paramedic level service. And the shortest way to describe the leap is uh, prior to converting to full-time, the turnout time, meaning the moment uh, the call would hit dispatch to the moment the equipment would roll out the door. Forty percent of that time you would call in, it would take over five minutes to get out the door. Today, our turnout time is about a minute 30, and the 90th percentile for that is about two minutes and 30 seconds, which means 90% of the time they're rolling out the door in less than three minutes. And our on site time for calls in Whitewater within the city is under that five minute mark.
0: That's amazing. So it's, it's
1: has yes, an absolute dramatic reversal. And we're not done. We're, we're making a bunk room improvement that's going to move the bunk rooms uh, where they are now is effectively a three quarters of a city block in hallways in our basement to get to the bay. It's about 50 seconds of travel time. So over the course of this year, we're moving the bunk rooms right next to the apparatus bay, which should, for most calls at night or when people are in the bunk rooms, uh, it will shave up to fifty seconds off of those calls, which should also help. And, and so uh, that's who, been yeah. And who
0: ahead. else? Should, who else should get the credit for that, John? What's the name of your fire chief? Why don't you go some shine on the, some of your folks? Yeah, there?
1: it's our fire chief Kelly Freeman, who's been with the city of Whitewater for a long time. He was our streets superintendent and our uh, part-time and volunteer chief, and he ended up stepping over and taking the job, awesome. uh, which is thrilling. You know well. Short version on fire departments, since once the chief is appointed, that is up to the police and fire commission in Wisconsin, it is incumbent that the manager or administrator and counsel have absolute faith in their chief because once they are hired, the uh, discipline and removal of that person is turned over to an entirely different subset in Wisconsin, both police oh, really? and fire chiefs. Yes. So when, when we get, eventually get to my police and fire chief speaking at a meeting, I couldn't fire them if I wanted to. Wow. Um, did, that's, that's an
0: interesting wrinkle.
1: They report to me through the budget, but from a, a process standpoint, no. So uh, Kelly has been fantastic. Our assistant chief, Ryan Dion, our other assistant chief, uh, Joe Uzelding. There's countless, countless. I could go on and on about them. Um, but the fact I mean, of the matter is they, they took a huge leap of faith on Kelly and me and the city. And we are now, nobody's poaching our employees. They are paid, right? They are well-trained. We are one of the better departments in the tri-county area from a numerical and financial perspective.
0: I mean, that in and of itself, this, this accomplishment in and of itself for a full year is enough to, to sort of pad the resume, right? What else have you been doing, uh, over there in Whitewater? We've uh,
1: we've revamped the way we deal with economic development. We're in the process of hiring a full time economic development director, and that's going to be great. But we've brought in you know the the low hanging fruit, the things you want to see. We've added an Aldi, which uh, to a lot of communities that's not a big deal. But Whitewater is a registered food desert by the USDA, okay. which means we are so far away from such amount of, of food, you essentially do a gap analysis, right? And if your gap is so high, you're a food desert. And we've been a food desert since um, at least 2019, and this will help move the needle on that. So that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, additionally, we've signed on our first uh, large industrial development in quite some time. Um, again, it's, it's not earth shattering, but it's uh, 100,000 square feet, seven and a half million precast building that's gonna bring jobs into the community. Uh, and we're in the process of implementing a uh, 1.9 million dollars of uh, money for uh, affordable single-family housing. So that's that's the external stuff. In, internally, I think the biggest wins are. And staff has talked about this. You know, we're doing um, stay interviews. We're trying to figure out what's motivating our employees to stay. I know I personally have signed off on it. I'm guessing between 15 and 20 raises outside of the normal. Every a- once annual a year. Review. I get my, yeah, get, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. To, to make sure that we're I, I could tell I wasn't there, but my human resources manager, uh, we have several employees that have been with our our organization for over 20 years that were not at the top of the range. So I corrected that and awesome. several of them cried like they had never worked in an organization that was simply like, for what you have done for us for as long as you've done it, this is what you deserve. And I for right. one, one of them has been with our city for 39 years. I mean, at some point you, maybe it's twenty nine, but still, my point is that's that's a long. long It's a long time. We've taken care of the outside stuff. We're taking care of the the inside stuff, and we've also executed a a strategic plan, and we have uh, a balanced budget going into next year in an environment where we have five hundred thousand less dollars in state revenues, which for us is about five percent of our our total. If your, your general fund is $11 million and $500,000 of, of revenues isn't showing up, that's a big hit.
0: What, what, can you briefly explain why you're losing that money? What, what's the cause of that?
1: Yeah, to make a long story short, there were several uh, agreements in a state program that help fund um, police and fire services provided to state-owned property, whether that's a university, a prison, a museum, Anything And with the university, which is, is worth about um, $400 million if it were on the tax rolls, um, the, the amount we're receiving for police services was turned down to zero. And we had an agreement with the university that to no fault of anyone recently, it was not done appropriately. So it was determined to be um, null and void. Gotcha, so, gotcha. so a reimbursement from the university we were counting on and then um, some revenue from the state. The revenue from the state will return over time. Uh, but right now it's a it's $500,000 hit. So we weathered all that with no layoffs or major changes to operations, all of our capital and equipment. Everything's going forward as normal.
0: And and you're still being modest there, John. Because I knew in doing some research for this interview, uh, and we're going to get into some of the reasons why this happened. Uh, you had some staff that were going to bat for you publicly and talking about what a great leader you are and how much they enjoy working for you as a manager. Do you feel comfortable uh, expanding on that a little bit, or? Uh...
1: Yeah, I well, I don't know. For as brash as I can be, it's 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 tough,
0: it's tough, right? But hey, it, might seem weird that I, I'm
1: struggling to talk about myself. Yeah. So the the council, um, which is within their purview, they've been going through and revamping the um, budget goals and have been looking at the tools used to evaluate the city manager. And and all of that's good. That's normal. That's dust up stuff. Those things have to happen. Um, Through the course of that, my police chief uh, and my fire chief uh, and one of my direct reports in economic development and the city clerk and the human resources manager um, <laughs> all decided, well, I, I understand, <laughs> decided that they would, would speak and express their support for the direction of the organization and um, expressing that the st- generally the staff are happier than they have been in quite some time. They believe the organization is headed in the right direction. Um, they're pleased with my, not only my leadership in general, but my style, which is, can be tough to swallow because I'm, I'm direct. Um, and generally they, they trust me that even when I'm telling them things they don't want to hear, uh, that it's in the best interests of, of the organization. So right. I, I, it's kind of what you want to hear. And if that was my report card or on my tombstone, or my work tombstone, you know, that wouldn't be so bad.
0: So, so, so I lay this all out or I had you laid all out, John, because... How the hell did we get to the point a year into your tenure where you have the governing body, some members of the governing body, wanting to hire an attorney to ostensibly, uh, I don't know, discipline you? I don't know what the hell's going on. And uh, you can maybe you can unpack it because th- this is this is the action of the council that's generating this public outcry from the staff saying, "Hey, what's going on here? Our manager's doing a hell of a job, and yet it looks like you guys are trying to run them off." Can you unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, sure, and and I don't I don't want to go on an apology tour here, but I, I think from the council's perspective, and there's part of it I understand. Uh, the city attorney, as it sits, is a contracted or could possibly be a city employee, and so some of them read the situation that the city attorney would report to the city manager. Okay, I get that. Additionally, the, the city contracts with a firm that I believe has 20 to 30 uh, attorneys on staff, and we work. I'm working with, th- I think, three of them right now uh, on various issues, um, but there were members of the council that wanted to explore the path of the council having its own representation, which unto itself is is not a terrible idea okay that's as with a lot of things in whitewater the kernel of the idea is not terrible it's often the follow-up execution and what standards are we going to hold ourselves to when we do that so staff presented an rfp process we presented our procurement policy that's all fine and dandy the the council decided to move faster than that by a 4-3 margin and um, gave the council president the authority to seek up to um, you know, three bids for an attorney not to exceed $10,000. Honestly, I think the community's reaction to that has been um, far worse than staff's, right? Because at this point, staff has no work to do. We're kind of right. just sitting around waiting to see what's what's going to happen. And-
0: but John, it's fair to say that this a process that the council has been going through to get this attorney on board, however you want to describe it, is the way it went down is kind of what led you to start seeking out other opportunities. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's certainly part of it, right? What what employee I mean, because wants, here's wants the to thing, feel yeah. like their bosses are breathing down their neck. Especially um, after the year a,
0: you had. I mean
1: Well, okay. So th- if I was my own lawyer right now, I, I would say you have a, a pending free agent here who's had a contract year. You're you're paying this employee at below the 50th Percentile, you basically, this is like baseball. You're getting this guy on an arbitration level but, yeah. deal. You may want to consider putting up with some of the more mercurial tendencies, considering they, they're leading to the outcomes that both staff and the community desire. That's one argument. The counter argument is that, you know, the council can do as the council does. And, you know, I'm not particularly bothered them wanting to have access to information and access to experts it, it mostly comes down to you know you send a message in the way you do things and nobody Absolutely. wants to feel nobody wants to feel like it's personal right or, or feel like it's in response to it certainly couldn't be in response to the level of productivity so it's and and if we're if we're all just being honest there was a as with when any new manager or administrator comes into an organization, there were several employees, and by several it was three, four, five um that left quickly, and, and a couple of them just left for better jobs because I couldn't pay them the salary ranges, the salary range. But there were several others that left uh because the level of accountability had been dramatically increased and they simply didn't want to work in that environment. And I think they, that was they, they self selected out ways. It they both ways. Works both ways, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that caused some concern. And I think there are still council members from when that happened that don't have the full picture they would desire. And I think part of this is in, in hopes that they will find an attorney who will say something other than personnel matters rest with the city manager, I think is what this is coming down to, but probably won't land there.
0: If I'm reading between the lines there, John, it sounds to me like some employees who might have been favorites of some members of the governing body or were giving information to the governing body are no longer with the organization. And that created, created some friction. Is that a fair representation?
1: For something spoken by you, Joe, I will say that as a fair representation, you know, to that, I, I would say every council member has employees that they rely on. I think I have several council members that people would say I'm their favorite. So Really, that's why, it, for me, it always comes down to policy and process. What are the standards? Right. Are they objective? Are you applying them, recognizing you can't hold everyone to the same exact standard at the same exact time? Are you applying things uniformly? Are they being done in a way that people believe is is logically fair? Um, and to staff and people in the community who don't like that, I would say that's arguing against several centuries of best practice.
0: Yeah, you know it's uh, I think there's uh it's a little bit of a of a shock to the system when a new manager comes into the organization and that new manager is somebody who is their own person and they're not afraid to stand up for what they believe in and best practices and they don't kowtow to either pass practices by the governing body or allow past practices by staff to continue on uh, and it's been my experience that you know that's going to happen. There's going to be a disruption in the organization and the status quo. And if you don't want to have a strong manager, if you want, if you don't want to have that disruption of the status quo, don't hire a strong manager, right? Don't hire somebody who has a backbone and who has a belief or a philosophy about how certain things should be done, especially when it comes to accountability within the organization, extracting efficiencies, increasing production, so forth and so on. So, so let's drill down into this whole decision. Uh, what are the motivation behind your decision to start applying for some new positions? And can we kind of maybe expand on that a little bit? Because here you are, you're a little bit more than a year into the organization, like we've established, You're, you're killing it, you're crushing it. And you just had a brand new baby, right? Which in itself is uh, maybe not the most ideal time to be looking for a a new place to start a position and what have you, obviously. Um, So clearly there's got to be something going on that we can maybe unpack a little bit more for the audience, explain why you would be willing to take the leap to jump to start applying for a new position on top of this. And I'm not super familiar with Wisconsin transparency laws either, but you know, it's, it's a little treacherous to, for word to get out that, Hey, I'm looking for a new position and your council might decide to whack you out as a result mean, my post stories about stuff like that all the time, John. So walk us through what's going on, this whole process and all these different parameters and, and considerations.
1: Sure. I, I guess the first thing I would say is the, the thought that my council would try and rub me out over learning. I was a, a finalist somewhere else. had never crossed my mind. Um, you never you While never ha- you
0: never you weren't concerned one bit that you might get fired for testing the water someplace else and maybe looking at the cute girl across the bar?
1: I'd probably be the village administrator in Salem Lakes right now with a $60,000 check in my pocket. I mean, yeah. I, I but but no, I didn't I just don't see them as as those type of and I guess to some degree you got to be who you're going to be. So so you asked me what started this and what started yeah. it is I was honestly holding my daughter and thinking Am I going to work in a community that has a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of upside, but a lot of political upheaval? And that's something we really haven't touched on directly. I've got a lot of longstanding council members. I have a council member that is a former employee. I have council members that are brand new. I have council members that tried unsuccessfully to run for higher office. And between all that, we have council members that run the entire political spectrum in addition to that the the city itself i think has somewhere between 12 and 16 standing committees just a large amount of committees and and citizen involvement and at every single public meeting every single agenda item the public is allowed to comment so it can be a raucous long painful experience at times especially when you're the subject of the conversation and several times i have been The subject of conversation for you know reasons that are both warranted and and unwarranted so you begin thinking to yourself is is this as as i told several of my council members is this where i'm going to spend the prime my prime earning years and my prime right i'm a 40 under 40 so like i am firmly in my prime i have entered i am in my prime right and you got to think especially someone, and not tooting Mount Horn, but I've been in local government a long time. And you start to think about career, not so much legacy, but if you're going to truly try and stick it out somewhere for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years for the sake of your daughter and your family and stability, choose wisely. Right. So, right. uh, out of, out of that and out of a necessity, of course that the market is so hot right now. I mean, managers are being paid over, uh everyone from uh, my good friend Kevin Laner, who's in uh what is it, Janesville now? Um or is it Beloit? I can't remember. Boy, such a good friend, I can't remember where he works. Just kidding, Kevin. <laughs> but ma- making, making 230, 230 when I think the top of the range was 180. You wrote about this, right? You so we see this time. Yeah. And again, I, I believe the top of the range in Salem Lakes was 140 and they're paying 145. Um so you have to know these things. And then, you know, finally for me, it becomes about, well, if I'm going to look, I should probably look, you know, now or start now because uh, you're not going to get offered. The first thing you apply for a job search could take 12 to 18 months, which means especially if you're being,
0: well, especially if you're being selective, right? If you're not, if you're not just trying to jump the first train out of town. um, Correct. And
1: one of my biggest constraints is I do not plan on moving. I have been a administrator in walworth county since mcguanago which was a part of walworth county i'm still in walworth county salem lakes was in walworth county it's like being an alpha wolf right we are we we take up a geographic mass as a manager or administrator or school district manager or administrator or chief of surgery at a hospital you take up not only do you take up a salary but you take up geographic space in a way that being a, a teacher might not or um and notice my wife's fourth grade teacher. She's amazing. But in a way that there's simply more of those on the org chart than, than others. So it takes right. time. And to go somewhere, you're either you're waiting for someone to leave or something is turning up for the first time or, you know, someone's rage quitting, <laughs> in which case you might be walking into a situation that is not nearly as good as the one you might have. To be perfectly honest, I, I'm trapped in a 15 year 1.99% interest rate. And couldn't sell my house and turn the profits, even though they are they are mighty into something that the same size at today's interest rates. It's just
0: Right, right, right. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because you and I are have completely different career arcs and paths. You know, you were talking about being a forty under forty. I didn't pivot into this uh, side of the business until after the age of 40. And so I made a, a massive career change. And And so you and I have completely different perspectives, not that one's right or the or wrong. But whereas you have a uh, commitment geographically speaking to a specific area, I am much more of a freelancer or a hired gun because I'm trying to climb the ladder much more quickly uh, as a result of starting so so late. Um, so we, we operate our different constraints. But the the big the big point you made is that the market has changed dramatically and and obviously there's some dynamics out there that make it such that well, let me let me let me say this you know john i'm, I'm a big believer that if i'm going to give an organization 100% or if i'm going to work my ass off and deliver exceptional results then I expect the organization to reciprocate and show some sort of similar commitment. And it doesn't necessarily mean in time, it could mean in, in financial rewards and benefits and incentives and so forth and so on. And I think um a lot of a lot of our our brethren and our sisters in this profession, we have too much of a um you know we're public servants and I feel sometimes we're more like public doormats and I think that more of us need to be aggressive in asserting our worth and demanding that we get treated with the respect that we deserve and to kind of go back to your analogy used earlier your metaphor in the in this interview you know if you are a local government official you're an elected official listening to this podcast right now and you think you have a really good city manager, it's incumbent upon you to maybe actually go out, maybe not during the annual review, maybe outside the normal chain of a sequence of events, and maybe uh, throw some incentives that managers way to show them that they're appreciated and keep them from even wanting to look, you know, wanting to look because I can almost assure any city uh, city official listening to this podcast right now, that if you want to replace your existing city manager, uh, you're more likely going to be paying more than what that person's making right now, and you're going to uh, have to go through all the organizational people to do it. But anyway, so a bit of a oh, sidebar yeah. there. Yeah,
1: under we so a fire chief search in the area cost I think thirty thousand dollars. So I I'm, I don't think anyone in the city and certainly i know members of my own council are aware that in order to replace it, it doesn't matter if it's me whoever is sitting in my chair right now it is going to cost them more than the 119,500 that they're paying because the top of the range is 140 and on top of that they're looking at 30 to 35 for a consultant to do the job search and you're looking at what 3 to 6 months plus onboarding a, a dead a dead year right now when whitewater is absolutely as you said crushing it so but that's yeah. I, you know, going back to why you know why did you apply? It was all yeah, yeah. of that, and then testing the market. But then, and at some point, you, if you are unable to hold certain parts of the organization accountable, it's probably fair that you begin to explore your options. Layered into that is the new father thing, which I will, which I will is is that. And and I there were some expectations on my time. My daughter was born premature, and I had taken some very clear uh, time for myself. And while not federally protected, because I hadn't been there a year. Uh, there were some impositions on that. You know, I, I chose to write to the council and ask them to fix that, and at the same time begin exploring my options. Sorry to be long winded. I get like that. You'll have to. Well,
0: I'll, 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 yeah, I just want to, John. I just want to drill down and get into like the heart of it. I mean, the, the reality is, is you were sent an email at around seven o'clock in the morning asking you to be at a, a meeting right a two hours later. And you're like, hey, I'm holding my baby right now. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Uh, at least in your head, that's what you're thinking. But what did you? And, do- I, and I
1: agreed to the. I agreed to the meeting, and I showed up to the meeting. Um, and it was my intent to express, totally not in a professional way, ready to express my my frustrations. And um, you know, I've got a wonderful chief of staff who does a great job of making sure I'm prepped, tease me up, ready to go. She placed into my hands. Uh, Three emails that she had sent out over the last, I believe, six weeks or so, uh, trying to pre-schedule these uh, so nothing would would come up like this. Because as we surmised when we walked into the meeting, the uh, council person, they acted like it was a normal routine once a month check-in meeting that I have with several of my council members, you know, on two hours notice. Right. So I presented the emails and I stated that I didn't believe that to be the case. And we had the meeting. And then afterward, I wrote my, as I call them, my Comey memos, right? If you remember director James Comey, who wrote his contemporaneous email about his meeting Mm -hmm. with the then president, I I learned a valuable lesson from that man. And that is to document those situations. So I did. I asked my chief of staff to document her recollections of, of things leading up to it. And I sent it to the common council and ask them to do something about it. Well, actually, it went to human resources first. Human resources not being able to handle an issue among the governing body then brought it to the Common Council.
0: Well, to to be a little bit more blunt, but a little finer point on it, you uh, made it very clear that you were uh, not happy with how you were being treated during this process of trying to take care for your new baby and that you thought some major boundaries had been overstepped by certain members of the governing body. Is that correct?
1: I, I did, and notwithstanding your... Christmas card exchanges with the ICMA. I did put them on notice that I would like them to look into uh, a waiver of my my two year commitment, and I got that straight from the recruiter. Once I had made semifinalist in in, I applied for two jobs, essentially two jobs within the driving radius. I said, you know what, time to test my worth, time to see if I'm competitive, time to see what's out there, and the recruiter actually said, hey, great to meet you. You had the semifinalist interview. I suggest you contact ICMA. So yes, to put a finer point on it, I was clear and direct and I took actionable steps to ensure that ultimately, if it came to that decision, I would be in a position to do so.
0: So you go through this uh, recruitment and you you get declared a finalist, right? And it it gets out to the public. Obviously, if I read the article, I know it's going to get to your community. Uh, You have a pretty active community as far as the citizen engagement. So word gets out that you are a finalist in a nearby community, and what is the response and what happens? Walk us through that process.
1: Yeah, so I got the email that I would be a finalist and requesting the in-person interview, and we've all done some version of the round-robin tour. Department heads, elected officials. Uh, sometimes there's a writing assessment. So upon getting that, we have a few uh, bona fide sources of information. We've got we've got a weekly print paper. Uh, We've got an online, uh, I wouldn't call it daily, but uh, updates multiple times per week. Uh, We've got a uh, kind of a blog that's run by a former elected official and and some other um, very involved people, and and then another blogger. Point is, once it hit that point, you get out in front of it. I felt the right thing to do was simply explain in a very clear, respectful, and not trying to... Catch anyone with a stray. Here's what happened. I'm a finalist. There are some things I wish that would be worked on. I need to consider my options. We've accomplished great things together. I hope it shakes out another way. Having said that, I'm being forthright in what's about to happen next. And I sent it off to the uh, newspaper and to the elected officials. Elected officials first and then you know, right. newspaper.
0: Uh, but uh, I want I want to clarify something for the audience here, John. Sometimes I forget because we are we we do our extensive pre interview prep that you know the audience isn't privy to it. But before you sent the memo to HR complaining about the overstep on your you know paternal leave, a paternity leave for your baby, you had also previously about I don't know maybe three or so weeks before that sent a, a memo to the governing body saying hey. I'm not happy with how things are going in this community right now. With how I'm being treated,
1: a much softer, much larger. So the what comes to be uncased like an onion has, or Shrek that you have layers, right? right? right. And as you yes. as you peel back the layers, uh, there, there are several staff that have, uh, at various points in time, put written complaints into human resources about various actions of the members of the governing body, and that stems from. I've had to be very clear with my staff, there's literally nothing I can do as manager. I can hire, I can fire, I can manage the budget, I can handle everything day to day, I can go to bat for you guys, I can lay on the barbed wire fence, I can interface with the public, but what I cannot do is force the elected officials to account for their own behavior. It's just not, the system is not built like that. That's and correct. so I, sug- I suggested that their best course of action is to, Comey is my homie, write your memo down, Send it to human resources, and see if they can facilitate some sort of conversation among the elected body. And what happened is, once I decided that was the strategy, within three weeks we had I think four complaints. And and, but, and I and yeah. normally I was I was handling that and getting in the way and and managing the expectations and egos and and ensuring that the council was not taking any of the guff for their behaviors directly. And at some point, lacking them paying attention to that, I chose a more direct and public... Uh, pro, well, what was first handled through HR and then subsequent to their communications with the public is now right. public acknowledgement of, of what's going on.
0: But in that first letter that you said, I'm, I wanted to make the point is that you put the governing body on notice that you were going to start looking for opportunities. You were very overt about that. So I don't want people to think that you were not... Um, that. You, the government body didn't read about in the paper uh, that you're a uh, agreed. I, I cited yeah. some
1: if you, I, I to go into the letter, which isn't memorized, but I'm, I'm pretty good. It, there's a point where I mentioned I had, my job was threatened by a council member, and and they didn't threaten me directly. They were they were texting another person and had inadvertently texted me, uh, letting this person know that they had <laughs> they, they were very happy with themselves for threatening my job, and I texted back that this person was texting the city manager. And then they texted me again as if I was still whoever was supposed to be on the receiving end of this communication, that it was also made clear to me that I was in no uncertain terms supposed to do anything to support a specific development. And I texted back, you're still texting the city manager, screenshot, memo, labor attorney, human resources. I, you know, it's, it's fair to have your opinions but I think it's also fair that that gets done within the public process that requires accountability and meeting notices and not having those conversations one-on-one with whomever that person was having that conversation with via text.
0: What What I love about you, your situation and you, John, is that you have backbone. You have uh...
1: it's sixty-five thousand dollars. I could I could buy almost almost a, a grand. What is that? A Wagoner? Whatever's going going on there? Those those big big long Jeeps.
0: Sixty-five thousand, refer to your severance payout, right? I, yeah. I, well, my point is at
1: some point, it's, it, if everyone who threatened my job was going to gain traction with me and cause me to change behavior, I would be in the wrong Position at this point in time, I think is where we're. I think where you're headed with some well, of but, in, a, but in a more direct way.
0: Yeah. Well, something John and I, I talk about often with people is the decisions we have to make are pretty easy. It's dealing with the consequences that make it really difficult, right? Because we have to fall out of taking care of our families, providing for our families, moving our families, relocating, selling a house, all that stuff. So it's not really the we all we all generally speaking know what decisions got to be or what our actions should be. It's just dealing with the consequences. been the governing bodies have a lot of leverage over us, and that's why it's always important that we have solid contracts in place.
1: I have had the acronym BEAR written on the wall next to my desk. And I point at it from all directions of City Hall because I know where it is and its behavior. And then what is the effect, right? What is the alternative behavior? What is the result? Right. And that's where I I try and stay. And so for me, what is the behavior? The behavior is accountability is not in alignment with Otherwise, what these same members would have me hold others accountable for or would certainly hold me accountable to. Right. Yeah. What is the effect? It's demoralizing to staff. As, as I mentioned in my memo, I had two super qualified people test the waters, but ultimately reject a, an internal promotion that came with hefty, hefty. And I came back with extra vacation, extra pay raises, all the flexibility I could. And it came down to did not want to have to show up at a public meeting and deal with the elected officials in the same way I have to. They wanted it the buffer of a director and not that responsibility. And for me that's an issue. That affects yeah. recruitment and retention, which is strategic bullet number 4 as approved by the governing body. And so we should talk about it. You know, I'm not yeah. not calling for heads. I'm calling right. for let's read a book. Right. Let's right. attend a training, let's have a conversation, let's talk about the A in bear which is the alternative behaviors and the result or the potential result.
0: So, so you have like again. What I want to say is, you stand up to your governing body, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean you actually are an executive with backbone. You're not just a wilting, you know, shrinking violet over there who's just you know take a punching bag, taking it. You and you know, we're talking about a man who has uh, a new baby, has a wife, a, you know, family, a house. I mean, there's risk and consequences of doing what you do. So I, think I got that's a mortgage great. with these that's, interest rates. <laughs> that's well. That's yeah. That's right. You know. Um, and so you know, you stand up and then. Ultimately, you decided to actually. Before we get into that, because you made a point in the pre-interview that I want to uh, give you an opportunity to expand on about setting an example of modeling behavior and what have you. You, you want to model on the that? way? It's it's a it's yeah. a
1: chapter in the Leadership Challenge, which is an absolutely fantastic book that has been given to me. There are leadership courses on it. Our insurance carrier has a training. That we can send our staff to one of the big points is you model the way right you exhibit the behaviors you expect in others you exhibit the behavior that you wish other people would use when they think about how they should treat others and in short what i'm asking my counsel to do is put the shoe on the other foot and consider what your work life would be like if someone wandered in and executed some of these behaviors dropping in unannounced not specifically not sending questions before a meeting and waiting until I have a department head at the dais to spring on them something that that they've known about for weeks. It's these these behaviors that are, um, well, I think I know what the end game is, but I think people can achieve the recognition and, and results and, and notoriety and, and acknowledgement in in another way that's more positive.
0: Right. right. So uh,
1: not, to, not to go on and, and try and get off point. But um, I think standing up for the behaviors that you believe should be exhibited, and most importantly, exhibiting those behaviors oneself or yourself is probably the most important thing.
0: John, one of the fascinating things I find about your situation is you have this paternity leave component in a new era of city management, more work-life balance, where we're trying to find um, this trying to, you know, massage our way through taking care of our communities while also taking care of our families. And, you know, there's an issue, this issue with the governing body member overstepping the boundaries when it came to you being on paternity leave. Can you talk a little bit more about why that sort of was a straw that broke the camel's back and why they elicited, elicited such a strong response from you?
1: Sure. Uh, first and most importantly, uh, family leave and any type of leave for any of our employees, I, I think, is of some of the utmost importance. Uh, secondly, you know, we really need to be modeling the behaviors we expect to see in others. And whether it's, uh, I've had employees since I've been in Whitewater on maternity leave, medical leave, sick leave, uh, bereavement leave. I, I have an employee out on military leave right now. I believe those are to be respected. And then I, I think most importantly is leading up. To the birth of my daughter, I had uh, one of my, our IT administrator approached me and just, he's known me for a little bit. So asked me what my, my plans were. And I had told him that I wasn't sure yet. I was considering working through it, which is something I think all managers, male or female have, have considered and, and, you know, short segue, sorry to just be like salute the troops, which is universally applaudable, but to the female managers, department heads, in fact, all of them out there either work through it and Uh, deal with those issues. Hats off to them. I don't think it's properly understood and respected, even in a world where we call it family leave and it's becoming more and more acceptable. So this staff person stressed to me the importance of my position right now in leading by example through that and strongly urged me to consider dedicated maternity leave and being fiercely defensive of that time away and using it one because that's obviously the right answer for anyone who's through the birth of a child it's one of the best moments you need to be focused and in there supportive of your spouse all of that stuff but also for the organization to show uh, not only to show everyone it shouldn't do gender whatever to show every employee who's having a uh, a new child come into their life that it is allowable, it is supported and it will be protected.
0: You know, I think you hit on a really important point too. And it's something that I think obviously deserves more discussion for a different podcast. And that is the challenges that women face when they're having a baby and whether or not they take a maternity leave when, when they're in an executive role, you know, it's inherently easier for men, at least traditionally speaking, to navigate the birth of a child while maintaining their career. And I think a lot of women have that, you know, a very difficult decision to make when they're trying to advance their career or to just, you know, continue on their path of being an executive of how do you, how do you navigate those waters? Because it can get kind of treacherous when you're uh, out of sight, out of mind, so to speak, as a, as an executive in an organization, things can change quickly. And there's a lot of hazards to that. And I mean, I think that's a, just, that's an interesting topic for another podcast, but I thought that was an important thing to give you an opportunity to talk about, because I know you talked in our pre-interview screening about how you had that feedback about how important it is for you as a leader of the organization to model behavior so that other individuals in the organization feel like they can follow suit and not be subject to the same pressures that we might feel like we're under.
1: And if I'm being, I, I know you've been you've been giving me opportunity after opportunity to bring that, that hammer down right on top of the... the nails head on the anvil without that moment i would not have picked up my computer and pulled up wcma jobs and started browsing i mean that email led to my laptop staying in my lap while holding my daughter and beginning to see and that was a that's something i hadn't done before and i know you had talked about the light switch mentality but for me it's more like if i if i'm really going to look and i know what my constraints are and you know, it's the house, it's the geographic area, it's, my wife just got her master's degree and her uh, reading certificate, and she's a fantastic teacher, and that needs to be supported, right? She's moved for me, enough is enough at some point. But I was talking, talking about how the, the email requests led to my response that was, yes, I will be at the meeting, and I was at the meeting, but it led to the laptop continuing to be in my lap, and me looking actively for jobs at that moment, and the difference between light switch Versus I was forcing myself to live. That was how I was forcing myself to live in that future possibility. Okay. Right. It did in a way that I, it's my process, right? Whether I'm, I'm looking at a budget cut or addition or something else, I, I try and force myself to look as far over the cliff as possible, whether that's useful or, or not. So it wasn't like I had checked out and this probably gets to okay so why you know we can talk certainly about the See, process that, that's, of that's, meeting that's, the other well, community and all that and then why yeah. did you choose because it wasn't like i got there and was like pu right i'm going back like well, i got so that's
0: inter- that's an interesting thing john because you talk about looking over the edge and sort of uh not sort of like flipping the switch i guess and being able to come back right i think whereas my personality is a little bit different once i flip that switch there's kind of no going back. It doesn't mean I'm going to take the first opportunity that presents itself and just leave. But I think you show a little bit more dexterity in your ability because you took a look and you said, I'm not happy with the situation I'm facing now. But for you, you still have the perspective that says, Hey, I can still go back to where I'm at now. Like it's the, the bridge is sort of I uh, I haven't passed the rubic I haven't crossed the Rubicon so to speak. Right.
1: Sure and, and isn't that what all our, all our employees give us the warning signs? Don't in, in our own way, aren't we? Like if I can bring this back to how this might be important for a manager, don't our own, our own employees give us that through their through their body language, through their participation at meetings, through their work product. And I, I sometimes and I think maybe what I was trying to get across as we armchair psychoanalyze what I was doing is maybe it was my way of talking to the council, and the community and saying, this is what an unhappy, you know, perhaps the last manager was cool to hang out and just kind of do this for a while, but this is what an unhappy and productive manager looks like. It wasn't like my, my, the work was suffering. And in fact, the work in whitewater has never been better. Um, But what things contributing to the dissatisfaction of any employee in that situation are within the control of the elected officials. And again, what can we talk about and what can we, do about that and i think maybe ultimately i was looking for some of the things that they've illustrated you know instead yeah. of on august 15th voting specifically not to have a training policy for elected officials that's a thing that like happened in real like that it's a motion second vote approved to coming out with something that talks about better governance and engaging in training and being willing to bring in facilitators
0: so John, you go through this process, you're named a finalist in the Lakes. Um, lakes. You have this great track record of success in Whitewater. Uh, you're unhappy with some of the uh, overreach and the bound- pushing of boundaries or violation of boundaries by members of the governing body. What was the determining factor for you in pulling your name from consideration from that recruitment and sticking it out with Whitewater? Because you had to, I mean, you already said you were getting your paid under the market, right? Uh, what 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 ultimately made you decide to stick it out with Whitewater?
1: To sum it up, I had staff, I had council members, I had board and committee members, and I had members of the public contacting me directly, encouraging me to stay the course, uh, encouraging me to continue doing the work that I was doing and helping the staff do the work they were doing. And I thought very long and hard about that, and ultimately the decision to see where that road leads one out against, right? The the adage is the adage for a reason. The grass is always greener, but it's not.
0: Right. Right. So was there any commitments or assurances or guarantees given to you in order for you to pull out? Because that's the, that's the, that's the fascinating part of this whole discussion in my opinion, because you reached a point where you were willing to consider leaving and you go through the p- application process and you're named a finalist, right? And, sure. and at the end of the day, you kind of have to go on some sort of trust and hope that things are going to improve, if, right? If this the, was
1: the playground, I have to show you first?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's <laughs> like, if you if you, sh- you show me yours, I'll show you mine, right? I mean, it's, right. But it's, like, it's like, did they show you something? I mean, what did they show you? Because you showed so them if, that you're willing to leave.
1: again a couple very specific things um the city attorney called me and expressed to me that a council member had contacted him and um to this will go on a side tangent but i i have some council members that are basically bringing in their own legal advice for when they do evaluations and things totally cool whatever don't care point is i had a council member contact me and say hey Basically, we're not who you think we would be, not like one of the people you know that is is firmly like happy with what you're doing, right? Every city manager understands there eventually there's small little camps, whatever. Who
0: cares? Yes, yeah. We have we have our P- supporters, point is, we have our critics. Yeah. Sh- yeah.
1: Sure. One of the ones I would describe as a clear critic contacted me through the city attorney and very clearly stated that no matter where this was headed, they were intent on me being the city manager and I should not fear for my job. And okay. I said thank you for contacting me. Feel free to contact the council member back and let them know that the message is received and I appreciate it. That's one instance. Uh, Another instance is we've had several, um, well, we've had two people um, at least suggest by writing letters to the editor that they would consider getting involved in local elections, which I take as just, it's just community engagement. elections are not my bag. I don't run them. I don't sign people up. Um, and we've had uh,
0: our. But if, our I'm, but if I'm understanding there, John, you're saying that two individuals have suggested they're going to run for office in response to the way you're being treated by these other governing body members. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm tracking?
1: Yeah, I don't want to speak for them or t- or take their words. It's it's out there. Um, I think I've sent you some of the articles, but, but basically suggesting that the council's demeanor and behavior over the last several months isn't indicative of what they'd like to see. And one of them is a former council member, and one of them, uh, I think, works for the university.
0: Okay, got you. Okay. So and then basically, to- the
1: gist is the shame. We same, it's not shame. Same. We watch the meetings, we attend the meetings, we think we can do better, we think we could possibly be part of the solution. And that's nice to just who wouldn't feel better about the community they work in knowing that people are paying attention and willing to lend a hand and are ultimately committed towards making things better. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I wanted. The opportunity to continue trying to figure this out with the council and quite honestly i don't know if we're there yet but i think they've taken several steps indicating that they're willing to engage in that conversation
0: so along those lines john i believe you were the recipient of a recent letter or memo from the governing body signed by every member uh in response to your recent complaint to the human resources department do you want to elaborate on that
1: in ink in ink and without having it in front of me, because as I alluded to, it's being framed, which means I literally don't have it in front of me. Um, It expressed an agreement with the importance of all types of leave. It expressed an, an understanding that I may pursue not only more family leave in the future, but other types of leave. It expressed an understanding and respect furthermore for the staff's ability and desire to take leave. And they specifically committed to engaging in thought exercises and engaging with resources that would bring uh, ideas for better governance, for better council manager relations. Um, you know, I, I've even specifically been asked to help coordinate an onboarding for all new elected officials, which is something we're, we're working on, including today. My chief of staff and I are discussing having a, um, you know, so you think you wanna, be an elected official kind of around nominating paper season. You see those, those pop up. Right. Yep. Um, So it was thorough. It was thoughtful. Uh, Most importantly, the entire governing body agreed to it. And subsequently they have shown that they're willing to take steps in open session to begin aligning their actions. And I know that sounded like a lot of neutral and caged language, but I was trying to use not only their language, but the things that are happening. You know, We're talking a, a timeline in open session in an upcoming meeting, and, and human resources has been kind of tasked with laying that out. So we've had discussions, we're thinking like, for example, I don't want to do a deep dive, but a two-year cycle. Quarterly, we use one meeting a quarter to introduce a relevant training, and over the course of an elected official's time, uh, you know, and usually around May, you'd want to hit the important stuff, Robert's rules of order, and, and meetings and things like that. Um, so right, if I had an employee say, or, or someone, yeah, asked me to do concrete things and I started doing concrete things, I would expect or hope for due consideration. I'll wrap it at that. But the point is, I, I think if someone's going to give an honest effort to show a desire to improve the relationship and and most importantly, work to the betterment of the staff and the community, I can go all in on that strategy. That That doesn't strike me as being out of line at all.
0: Okay, that's a, that's a great point, and I love that fact. I mean, I love that, right? Because everyone deserves the opportunity to make corrections, to to make improvements. I, I think we're all on that same page. Uh, the governing body, as a as a collective, and it was signed that letter was signed by every member, right? Collectively, they've agreed that they're going to make strides to improve on this relationship with that they have with you, right? Honor the processes, honor the the protocols, so forth and so on. And this is a tough question, and I don't know if you are going to feel comfortable answering it, but I am going to throw it out there anyway because it's a city manager unfiltered. At the end of the day, John, you have went out onto this ledge. You looked over. You looked over the ledge, and you opted to stay at Whitewater, right? Uh, ostensibly because they've shown or indicated they want to make this commitment to improve the relationship with their city manager. At what point do you, as a city manager, then say, you know what, this is not working, and I'm just going to go back out and look again for? Oh,
1: two year mark, right? That's the answer. The two year mark. mark. Yeah. yeah. All so oh, that's off after the two-year mark.
0: So right now, if you, things don't improve and you don't feel like you they've approved to your satisfaction at your two-year mark, then you're saying I'm I'm out. I'm going to start looking. Essentially, all my
1: ethical obligation to either obtain a waiver from that requirement or that requirement itself is then absolved, and I think that's fair. That's a year from today. Yeah, like basically.
0: Okay. And well, a year
1: from team. November November sixth, basically.
0: Out of curiosity, did you ever get any feedback from the ICMA on that uh, request for the two-year waiver or whatnot? Was there any conversation on that front?
1: Not yet, but as I understand, they're busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Are you really... (laughs) Is the the vibe (laughs) back? (laughs) Joe, John, oh, man. Yeah, I'm just... I, I'm not, I'm not going to tee that one up. I'm not going to even, I'm, I'm just going to let that one go because I don't want to turn this into an ICMA uh, session. But, but
1: uh, it's not a concern because I, I withdrew and we didn't get to that point. I made my correspondence. When I do hear back, I will follow up. Uh, yeah. And at some point, I'm going to want to know for myself what the appropriate protocols are because I'm sure, absolutely positive, I am not the only city manager uh, or someone with some sort of ethical obligation to stick around for a while that is working in a job that has thought to themselves, what is the professional way to ensure that I can at least test my options? Right. right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey, John, thank you for being on the show. I've really uh, appreciated you sharing your experience with us because like I said, you, you had a fascinating road and one I've always intrigued by because I sort of have a, uh, my own perspective on looking for a new gig and the, like I said, the light switch mentality. And i just really have a lot of respect for you as a manager for um uh, holding your governing body accountable. And I think there's a lot of public sector executives out there who don't really hold their governing body accountable uh, because there's, they're afraid to do so, to be quite blunt. And there's, there's obviously uh, valid reasons for being afraid to do so because this job is very volatile and it's not easy to find a new job quickly. Uh, in order to uh, you know stop the bleeding financially if you don't have a good contract with you, right? As far as severance package and so forth. And agreed,
1: so agreed. And it's not always easy. And you got to wake up early and shine your boots because once you take the position that everyone is going to be held accountable, to be perfectly honest, everyone is coming for there you, you at some point, not all at the same time, hopefully, but at some point. And to my larger message, it starts with ourselves. If we can hold ourselves to the standard that we're going to hold others, it becomes a much easier path. I hate to say that essentially means make sure there's no, you know what on the bottom of your boots. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Make sure you're checking your six and you're doing the best for your staff. And then, yes, I think it is fair to ask everyone in the organization to do their part to go from, to quote the book, good to great. That's That That does not seem unfair. I, I hope that seems reasonable to you, Joe. Uh,
0: amen. Amen. And I will say this, you know, uh, your chief of staff shouldn't be the only one getting calls. So I think if your governing body doesn't do what they need to be doing in the near future, uh, you're going to be getting some calls because we all know the market's pretty tight right now for public sector executives. So I wish you nothing but the best, John.
1: Thank you very much for your time. And most importantly, thank you for a space for managers to talk. I think the most valuable thing, what I'm hoping people get from the experiences is not necessarily the laughs or the nightmare stories or anything like that. It's by sharing with one another what's happening, by sharing what we're going through and talking about the resources and the things we're all trying to implement on behalf of ourselves and our teams and our governing bodies, we can all make those improvements. And I think that's what your reach is bringing with that's what the LinkedIn page brings. I know I've said this before. That's what the podcast is bringing. And ultimately I, I know you said you were going to put me in an uncomfortable spot. My chief of staff would, would uh, say I would have been remiss if I don't say ultimately you have a responsibility too as well, Joe. And I hope that you take that voice you have very seriously. And I would hope that we all, while towing the line is fun, we have to be mindful of the power of that voice. And I know um, that you are, and and I'm not gonna put you on blast, as I would say. But I, you know, at some point, I think we all know that the the people who have been doing wrong have done wrong, and now we need to talk about how to keep pumping everybody else up, if that makes sense. And you I don't have you. to use this if you don't want to. No, but I fair, hear you. Fair, fair, hey. accountability is accountability, hey. and you have a you have a much larger voice than I do, and you can do in a week more than I can hope to accomplish in the next. Several years with my comments and my shares and and my participation, and I would hope you recognize. Right at some point, uh, just let don't punch down, good sir. Right, punch. I hear up you, brother, and, and help I hear you. help help other people reach reach the levels that you yourself have reached.
0: I hear you, brother, and I will say, you know, uh, one that's a very important part, very a very important part of this podcast is actually having managers who are willing to come on and be as vulnerable and as courageous as you have been with share your personal story, because we all know a lot of managers don't want to be uh, in the public domain like that. Right. And and so it takes my story doesn't
1: does not pale in comparison to, is it Daniel, right? Who's Rosemond, seven, yeah. seven yeah. years. You have yeah. other Mr. Freed has other issues going. There are other yep. personal political conflicts in this world that far outstrip what I'm going through. I just Again, I hope to lend a voice, some knowledge we share, and to you, my good sir, you have more of that than I do, and I, I hope that you go forth and help us all. I think you have a chance to help a lot of people who would not have otherwise been able to enter or move around or be heard to have that opportunity. And that is a wonderful spot to be in. So thank you.
0: I appreciate that, John. And on that note, I'm going to let you go. John Wydell, city manager for the city of Whitewater, Wisconsin. Thanks again for being on the program. I am Joe Turner. This is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. If you like the show, please subscribe. Please hit the follow button. Please leave a rate and a review. And uh, thank you for your time. Have a good day. Bye-bye.